EastEnders podcast, the number one fan podcast about the Marvel Netflix series. I'm Claire. I'm Mel. I'm Matt. I'm Robin. Yay! <laughs> and it's the finale, guys. Are you sad? Mm, mixed emotions. Yeah. <laughs> well, until season two, anyway, and we have Jessica Jones and everything else in between that. Yeah. And we have the specialist of special guests for our finale. I'm going to say that to make her feel very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone get your things ready. It's Christine! <laughs> 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 Yay, Christine! Do I get a ding every time I open my mouth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, we'll, just go, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> we'll just rudely interrupt you every time you talk. <laughs> <laughs> So, I should say, because Chris, you've been a bit of a staple on the show, <laughs> because there's been a lot of me saying, well, um, uh, Koji at Man Without Fear said this, and Christine at Other Murdoch Papers said this. So, why, what is the Other Murdoch Papers, Christine, and why do I quote it so much? You can say because it's awesome, because it is. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to leave it for you to say that it's awesome, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, Daredevil-centric blog that I've been running since uh, technically late 2007, but I didn't really, like, I started blogging like crazy in, I think, March of 2008, and uh, so it's been up and running ever since then, and now it's up to, like, 750 plus posts, and and, uh, I just recently um, compared, like, because I have this little plug-in that counts how many words you put into into (laughs) it. And uh, it, it's somewhere around where, like, the Stephen King's The Stand would be in terms of word count. Amazing. <laughs> which is, it's just kind of, it, it's on the one hand, I'm proud of that. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, is there some other, you know, <laughs> other, other is, is there anything else I could have done with all the time that went into that Daredevil blog of mine? But nah, nah. <laughs> I, I for that decision. <laughs> I don't regret anything, so. And you know, the post funny, you've I, done, um, oh, sorry, Robbie, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I've been actually working my way through uh, Bendis' run, and I noticed uh, several issues ahead. There's something called the Murdoch paper, so I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to finding out what the definition of your blog type is. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just a joke on, on yeah, it's, um, well, it, it refers to documents of some sort. I don't think that's uh, spoiling yeah. it too much. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm thinking these would be like the other Murdoch papers, <laughs> the, yeah, right. the ones nobody ever asked. For, but like there's gotta be <laughs> so it's, it's basically for just writing everything about Mad Murdock so that's, and, uh, and it also appeared on the cover of a recent issue well a yes. while ago yeah, we had a, a mention of the other Murdock papers on an issue of Daredevil and Christine's actually appeared in Daredevil I have what? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I was actually kind of a villain in that issue <laughs> <laughs> No, because it was uh, it's one that was from volume three, number thirty-two or thirty-three, I think. It's the one where um, there's like a bunch of jurors who are taken hostage, but like we're kind of badgers because we found it, it's like it. I mean, the story is supposed to be like it. it it's a kind of not. I wouldn't say a comment on the Trayvon Martin case, but somewhere along those lines. So I guess I'm, I'm sort of like a, a bad juror, although Daredevil defends me anyway. And I'm the one like with the cell phone, like googling everything during the hostage crisis in that issue, which I think is funny because that's probably what I would do in a hostage situation. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll bring up my phone and just like Google stuff. So, but uh, yeah, that was that was really a lot of fun. <laughs> Still very so, proud of that one. So. Yeah, and you've done posts on everything from all the episodes, for instance, of the show, which are really cool, um, and to Matt Murdock's hair over the years. Uh, yes, uh, I think I've done posts on Matt Murdock's hair, 
I've done posts on Foggy Nelson's facial hair, uh, <laughs> Matt Murdock's glasses, uh, Matt Murdock's apartment. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of like I've, I'm almost running out of things to write about, almost. But it's good that they, they keep making new stuff. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. we're so happy you're here for the finale um, because there is a, there's so much to go through in this episode. I think. Oh, I didn't give you any alliteration. Uh, let me think. You are the captivating Christine. Oh, thank you. There you go. I think well, I might have used that in person, so you would know that, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we well, did meet in person, which was when I was. Uh, you happened to be in London, and it was the same day that I was setting up the Twin Peaks. Uh, uh, the U- Twin Peaks UK Festival. So I like basically ran to King's Cross Station to meet up with Christine so we could actually meet in person because we'd been chatting online. And I had like an hour and we basically just sat there and went, and then I had to run off again to set up a festival. But yeah, it was cool. It was really cool to hang out and stuff. Yeah. And we've been talking Daredevil loads, obviously, in the last few months. And we reviewed the trailer together and stuff, which was really fun on your podcast. I just feel like digging right now because you're talking about her in third person. You mean Christine from the other Murdoch papers? Yeah. I just am very happy to be a guest on the show. I've listened to almost every episode. I actually fell behind with the last, like, two or three, but I've listened to all the other ones. So they've been very entertaining. Oh, cheers. Well, this episode of the show we are reviewing today is episode 13 of Daredevil, entitled Daredevil. (laughs) 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 Say what? Um, and uh, I've gone straight into the episode title because I don't think there's really been any news on the films or the shows this week. Um, I've not really seen anything to do with Jessica Jones um, or, you know, season two of Daredevil or anything like that. So it's been quite a quiet week. I was looking at IMDb because I was I'm like, yes, I can look at IMDb now. Um, and it did say, uh, and I don't know where they get the information from, but they said season two, April 2016. So that would probably yeah. just be a guess, though I imagine, because they haven't even announced when um, Jessica Jones is going to be yet. I think yeah. they'd like just release them once, pretty much once they're done. Yeah, yeah. So they I might be, but they had a, a sort of rough date for for Daredevil season one, but it didn't end up coming out on that date, did it? I think. How close was it? Um, but it ended up coming out sooner, didn't it? Yeah, I think they originally said May. Yeah, they put it uh, forward. Then, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you're not allowed to look at stuff about season two on IMDb, Robin. I don't think they're going to have any reliable information. (laughs) They might. I was just happy to look at Daredevil trivia and, you know, look up, uh, you know, where where this certain cast member is from without worrying about, like, being spoiled. Well, that's okay, then. I'll let you do that. That's fine. Uh, Give me this. Give me this. So this episode was written and directed by showrunner Stephen S. Knight. And apparently this was one of the ones that he was like, yeah, I'm writing that one. I want to do the finale, which is, you know, you can understand because it's it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. Uh, So we start off at Ben's funeral. So, yeah, okay, he's really dead, guys. I said he wasn't dead until we had a funeral. (laughs) So, okay, he's really dead. Yes. Did you did you shed a, a tear or two, guys? Yes. Aww. Yeah, I think Mel actually did. I did cry. Oh, Mel. Yes. More on behalf of Ben's wife, I think. Ben's wife. Oh, yeah. she's really so good. good in this scene. Oh, I know. Oh, I, know. Mm-hmm. I felt so bad for her. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This was her best scene, like, actually. 
Yeah. Karen had all the tears. Yeah. Karen comes up and is like, listen, I just need validation. I need to know that Ben's death wasn't my fault. Just tell me that and I can go on with my life. (laughs) What I liked about this scene, though, was how Mrs. Urich handled his death. Like, she seemed to be handling it with such dignity. She was very realistic. Yeah, very realistic, and I really liked it. But it was just, my heart just broke for her just because, you know, Ben was her life, you know, and, like, you know, he was, like, her, her, like, Almost like her soulmate, basically. Mm. Now he's gone, yeah. and she's sick. She's got nobody, really. You know, like it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you guys were saying, oh, go on. I just say, wasn't there one point when she was talking to Karen? It seemed like she was talking about Ben in the present tense, like he was still around, and then she kind of caught herself. No, no, no. She was saying that he was still taking care of her yeah. because of yeah. the insurance money. So she said he always took care of me. He still is because you know she hasn't. You know, like you guys were saying last week, how, you know, how will everything be paid for? Now, Ben's dead, but obviously he's taken out this insurance, um, life insurance, so he's still taking care of her because he's he, he, that his way. Body, his body may be gone, but he's still here in the form of money. <laughs> <laughs> Cold hard cash. Yeah, but considering he, uh, he must have always known that his jaw was the dangerous one, so I guess he just wanted to make sure that his loved ones would be safe if he, anything yeah. happened. Yeah, they said he took out that, that policy after the one of the previous right. so kind of went a bit bad, so he would have known. I don't know if you guys noticed in this scene, I've got a couple of notes. Um, one, well, obviously it means that Ben was also a Catholic, because he's mm, yeah. got um, Father Lantern doing the, the ceremony, so that was a bit surprising. There's a guy in sunglasses behind kind of Doris. Uh, he's in sunglasses and has a beard. And I was like, that's really weird that he's wearing sunglasses, because obviously the only other person he is is Matt, and Matt's blind. <laughs> so I wonder, I don't know if you know this, Christine, if this guy is like the guy they had on set that was the, um, the guy that Charlie Cox spoke to. Oh, uh, Joe Stretchy? Yeah. The blind guy? Oh, the, I don't know if that uh, was him or not. Hmm. Because I was like, that would make the only thing that makes sense because it's obviously winter, it's very cold, and he's wearing sunglasses. So either I'm assuming he's also. But he does it in real life, though. Oh, I don't know who this guy is then. Yeah, I've seen pictures of him in real life. Uh, <laughs> huh. Well, yeah, I, I would have to double check, but he doesn't. He actually wears regular glasses in real life. Or, uh-huh. I mean, or, uh, or, well, in real life, the, the only life that we know that he exists in <laughs> real life. <laughs> is this real life? Is it just supposed to this hypothetical, uh, his, yeah, um, having a, an extra, <laughs> part of an extra in this scene. I just I thought it was weird because it obviously yeah. stands out. You know, if it was like a summer scene, it wouldn't. But it stands out in the fact that it's a show, you know, with a uh, visually impaired protagonist. Yeah. But there was also this other guy wearing sunglasses. So I was like, well, is it Bono? Like, what's happening? <laughs> I just was confused. Um, and then one of my I'll other notes. Start the rumor right now. It's Bullseye. <laughs> why would Bullseye be wearing sunglasses? Oh, I guess why, a beard. He's just in disguise. Uh, yeah. No, Bullseye is clearly Jack Murdock. Look, we've established this. Come on. Actually, uh, it's, also, it's Ben Yurik. It's Ben Yurik. Sorry, sorry, now, sorry, now I want them to cast Bono as Bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> Too old. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Another note I had was, I really like, everyone's dressed in black, but I really like the fact that Doris has a colourful blanket on her legs. I don't know why. I was just like, oh. I know, it's great. <laughs> a nice crocheted blanket. Yeah, that was, that was really sweet. Speaking of what people are wearing, uh, one thing that stood out to me in this scene is that Matt's scarf. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, 
I, I just know that Karen put that on him like that, you know, because <laughs> it looks so deliberately freaking staged around his neck in a way that, you know, he would never, or if he just did that and it accidentally ended up looking like he was in a, you know, he's a male model in an ad or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> he looks so yeah. male model in this thing. Yeah, I sense Karen's uh, meddling in that, um, in that outfit. <laughs> Maybe she just wanted to get up close to him, like rearranging the scarf around his neck. I would think so, yes. Yeah. Breathing in his his manly scent, <laughs> his manly musk. Yes, <laughs> his his Murdoch musk. <laughs> um, so Matt speaks to Father Father Lansom. Uh, one of the other notes I love again that this is on location because you can see the cold breath, you can see the traffic in the background. There's planes yeah. going past. It's great. I love it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So in the next scene, we're back at Nelson and Murdoch's, and Karen and Matt are discussing Ellison because they believe that he has been brought out by Fisk. This is quite a, like, I, I think this storyline's quite sort of subtle, though, because I know, like, obviously, Ben says, oh, how much did they pay you last episode? Yeah. But they don't really, for the payoff we get with the fact that it wasn't Ellison at the end of this mm-hmm. episode, I don't think they really put enough into it for that payoff. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, you mean the payoff that it wasn't him? Or yeah, that? that it wasn't him. That it's a, you know comes as a big shock. Well, I it didn't. No, I don't know. It didn't come as a big shock to me that it wasn't him. But I enjoy. I liked that it was somebody else, and that mm-hmm. specifically that it was because I liked that it was subtle. I liked that it wasn't too obvious that it was Ellison mm-hmm. because it also speaks to sort of this general uh, just feeling of paranoia that mm-hmm. all of these characters must be feeling at this point. So I, I think it actually kind of like you don't. It, the scary part about how you don't know who's your friend and who's your enemy is sometimes someone you would su- suspect would be your enemy is, is the wrong person. And so I kind of like that, um, but how it played out. Mm, that's true. And I actually, but, you know, I really like the character of Ellison and I kind of hope that he's back for season two. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like with the, with, you know, the new deal with uh, Sony, maybe we'll have the bugle in it. I don't know, but I kind of would like him to pop up again in sort of the Ben Urich place. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just like the I like the character and the actor. I think they did a good job. I'd like to see him more. Um, Jeffrey Cantor, I think his name is. I yeah. forgot who Ellison is. <laughs> He's Ben Urich. He's the guy that's stalking Sarah Connor. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting I'm getting confused. Yeah. <laughs> so. He's Ben's boss? Yes, yes. Ben's boss. Okay, yes. all right. He's Ben's boss, Matt. I'll edit this out. Don't worry. I won't, <laughs> I won't really. No. No one will know. I won't really edit it out. Sorry. <laughs> like, I'll be the one who will be like, who's Allison? Who's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy? Who's again? Matt's bitter that Poggy wasn't at the funeral and... You know, Karen's kind of freaking out that she can't sleep because she's worried about Fisk yeah. finding out about her being at the um, speaking to his mum. But really, obviously, it's mostly right. Do you guys, do you, so you guys, do you guys think that Matt knows what's up with her, like exactly, or do you, no? Do you just mm-hmm. have like a sneaking suspicion. He knows something's up with her, but there's, he has no way of knowing what. I mean, because he he can't. He's, he since it's not actually psychic, he can just sort of. I mean, uh, he would know that she's not feeling well and that she's anxious and like, you know about something. But I'm gonna start and, and thing, but, but I'm gonna start getting my shows mixed up because I, I've been watching Hannibal as well. So I'm gonna start <laughs> thinking that, that Matt has like a really heightened sense of smell as well. He's gonna be smell what's oh, going no. on. With people. He does have heightened sense of smell. He can't smell lies. Lies don't have a smell well. 
<laughs> Maybe they do. Your body might emit a certain odor when you lie. <laughs> I think. I, I think also he knows that she has obviously some kind of slightly shady past, and also she's lied before, and she's maybe not as goody two shoes as she appears. So he sort of and he, must, yeah. and he must also know because even Foggy has smelled the alcohol on her breath. Yeah. You know? um, so and, and Matt would be able to feel that even more. So yeah. She's not, she's not fooling anyone. So I think, yeah, he can definitely tell that there's something serious going on with her. But to go from there to like, oh, she killed someone, is, yeah, he would he would need more info for that. No one knows that she killed Wesley, because not even Fisk knows, as we find right. out. He thinks that it was uh, Owsley. Yeah. Um, yeah. She almost seems like she's already, so in a way, already now. over it. Yeah. She's really what? It almost seems like she's already over killing a guy. No, at the well, end. She was mm-hmm. upset at the end, but I don't know. She's just like, you know, if if you, it was your first time killing a person, you'd probably be upset for months. I think she is. I think but she's going to... She yeah, but she's not showing it, though. But she also yeah. said, do you no, really think this is a... She said, is this the first time you, that I've fired a gun? Do you really think this is the first time I've fired a gun? Maybe she's killed other people now. That's right, yeah. yeah. I thought that Karen's was a or is, or is she Ellison? I'm getting lost here. What? Karen is Lady Bullseye. <laughs> yes. She's going to wear the skin-tight white cat suit and come back. Yeah. yeah. And hang out with Jack Murdoch. And be Japanese, yeah. And she's suddenly going to become Japanese, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because switching races is what you do these days, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just going to get that relevant. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder if we will see. Like, maybe they'll, maybe um, they'll sort of, the showrunners will trick us into thinking that Bullseye is going to show up in the show and then sort of do a double, a double switch and have it be Lady Bullseye. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, like, but, I mean, with this show, though, um, and this is really exactly the way I wanted it. Like, I wanted it to be an original mm-hmm. story. And to have, the, I mean, especially with, with uh, Ben Yerick's murder and everything, which really shocked me, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, <sighs> and they were saying that part of the reason they're doing that, well, not only because, well, this particular actor <clears throat> couldn't actually uh, sign on for more than one season, so they knew they, they were going to have to kill him off. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think they're really, it's like they're playing with the same basic characters that were recognized from the comics, but they're, they put them together in new and interesting ways, and there are new stories coming out of it. So I just, I hope they will continue to surprise us and not do things we expect. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, me too. That's why it'd be great if Jack Murdoch came back as Bullseye, because we wouldn't expect it, except we would now. So. <laughs> uh, so in the next scene, Owsley and Fisk are talking, and they've now got the go-ahead to build whatever they want. Um, and Fisk is questioning Owsley about irregularities, and he he's blames very, he's Leland. He's very quick with excuses. He, he really has. is, yeah. <laughs> he really is. The bit where he, um, like, throws him down the elevator shaft, I just, every time I see it, I think of Robocop going, can you fly, Bobby? I just wanted to get, <laughs> yell that as he throws him down the thing. And then Leland's uh, like, actually fly. <laughs> <laughs> if there was ever a time. So were you guys sad to see Leland go? Because I know you uh, love this character. Okay. He mentioned his son, so I assume that mm. his son will be taking over. I, yeah. also expe- I also expected this long ago. Oh, really? Well, I mean, he's slowly been getting rid of everybody. He's <laughs> Kingpin is slowly <laughs> getting rid of everybody he works with. I assumed they'd all be dead by the end. I didn't expect what happened with Gao to happen. <laughs> yeah, Madam Gao's got away, though. And yeah. she's also some sort of weird alien. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's not what she seems, is she? Oh, she's um, awesome. Love her. Yeah, I like. I, I really like her, too. 
I've just always loved uh, Leland's character this entire time, mm-hmm. um, and it's it, what an amazing way to go out. It, he's just got his balls right out. He's like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm done lying. Here's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. He blackmails uh, Bisk. Love it. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, I mean, honestly, I don't think he didn't fall very far. <laughs> no, I think I think he's really supposed to be dead. I think someone actually, I like, I think um, uh, Stephen DeKnight actually said that, oh, he, he's dead. <laughs> it was <laughs> something that, but it was like, because there was, was, yeah. There was a lot of blood, wasn't there? Yeah, there, there was. was mm-hmm. of, yeah. Like, it, I mean, it definitely cracked his skull open. So. Mm-hmm. And as we said, you know, he keeps mentioning his son, and people have said, well, this isn't the owl from the comics, so maybe his son, who's also called Leland, is going to take up the mantle of the owl. We don't know. I sincerely hope that there will never be an owl like the one from the comics. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) For numerous reasons, like, for anyone who's ever read the owl from the comics, I mean, yeah, you can do, I think he works well in the comics, I mean, a lot of times, uh, there have been really, uh, some stories done with him where he's been really genuinely kind of frightening, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the way that he's like by, creepy on a you know on an anatomical level. He's just kind of a very creepy like guy. A penguin. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. But I, I what I think they do really well with this show though is sort of like they're anchoring it more in the real world than mm-hmm. the, the comics are, and I think it makes sense to have like a character from the comics, but maybe not to have it be uh, not have him go like full supervillain in a costume uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So Except at the moment, we, the only character we have in a costume by the end is Matt, yeah. which we'll get to yeah. discuss in the costume. You know, <laughs> but obviously we're going to get others because we're going to have all four of the defenders, you know, um, so I think they're introducing it in slightly. And if we had, you know, Owsley turn up in full costume, I think in this season, it would be a bit like, oh, okay, come on. Yeah. The, only, the closest other thing we had was um, Nobu when he was in his sort of ninja garb. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I know he's, he's probably not listening, but, like, I just want to say, Bob Gunton, excellent job. Oh, he's awesome. If yeah. you know Bob Gunton, just tell him, we said, awesome job, dude. Yeah, <laughs> so good. I think I heard, like, an interview somewhere where they were saying that he always plays, like, bad guys. You know, he's always a bad guy, but he's such a sweet guy in real life. He's, like, the sweetest <laughs> guy. He always plays these sort of scumbags, like, here and in yeah. Shawshank Redemption. He's probably yeah. best known for. Yeah, yeah. So in the next scene, which I love because it's Matt and Foggy and I have little hearts in my eyes, um, <laughs> Matt is in Fogwell's boxing. And also it's a boxing scene, so I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and I, I love that he pretends not to notice Foggy at first. He hasn't spent much time yeah. in here this season at all. In the in, gym? In the gym, yeah. Well, he did in the like first the episode and this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he's been getting enough exercise running around doing his parkour and stuff. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but maybe he's more structured. Routine. Yeah, yeah. Were, were, were you guys happy that he and Foggy are kind of making things up in this scene? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, it was very genuine. I I I loved it. Um, these two actors were really doing a great job in the scene. Uh, mm. Coming up, I mean it. It wasn't, it didn't seem like forced at all. Like, there's a scene later where, like, Karen's like, this is how it should be. And I'm yeah. like, all right, Karen, don't call it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like as well that, that, that Matt is, he, you know, he does admit in this scene that it's, you know, that it, he's to blame. But he also, that doesn't stop him from being pissy at Foggy because he's like, you know, you would have met my priest if you came to the funeral. So they're still not best buddies. I like that. Um, but I also like that that um, because usually, especially in the comics, 
Foggy has always been the forgiving one. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Mad doesn't, I mean, he does shitty stuff all the time. Like, yeah. he'll just, I mean, everything from not just, you know, going out daredeviling, he would just like, I mean, there's this one story from, I think, Daniel <laughs> Neal's running in the 80s where, where Mad just goes into Foggy's office and he's like, I'm going to Japan for two weeks. <laughs> Like, it, it just takes off. Another one where he goes to Venice, you know, and he's just like, I just need some time off. And then he just leaves. And Foggy's there, like, stuck with all the paperwork and all the all the work. And he does stuff like that all the time. And Foggy is always so nice to him uh, and always sort of forgives him everything. And I think it's – I think what I like here is that Foggy approaches Matt mm-hmm. and is willing to not actually – 100% ready to like heal their friendship all the way. He's just sort of like, okay, we need to be talking. And he's also doing it in part because there's like this, this bigger goal to take down Fisk and they're doing, it's like, he's, he's sort of um, rising to the occasion a little bit and, mm-hmm. and he's being the bigger person. Although, I mean, I think it was probably Matt would not want to pressure Foggy by going to him first. He would wait for Foggy to come to him. But it's still like Foggy is not saying that, oh, I'm totally over this and we're fine. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I just I like that it wasn't just like he, Foggy didn't just hand wave it away um, and everything. So we should mention as well, a lot of the, the crappy stuff that Matt does to Foggy in the comics is yeah. way before Foggy even knows that Matt is Daredevil, yeah. which makes it even worse <laughs> because it's not like, oh, I have to go away for a few weeks. Oh, OK, well, I know you're a superhero. So that's fine. It's literally yeah. his partner going. Okay, goodbye. I'm going away. <laughs> I hope you can hold things down here in the office. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. But but I have to say though, I'm so happy that they. Uh, I, I mean, that was back in episode nine and ten, I guess, when mm-hmm. when Foggy found out because that's always been one of my um, one thing that I miss when like when you read early Daredevil comics because it was like three decades of like real real Earth time, <laughs> so to speak, went by <laughs> before Foggy learned the truth, and then their relationship in the comics has been so much more genuine and so much more interesting since then. Uh, this happened back in, I think, 95 or something. And since then, the stories with them together have been so much better that I can see why the creators wanted to, during the course of the season, make that happen because that would pave the way for, I think, a better relationship between them uh, mm-hmm. in the next season. So that's, I'm really looking forward to where that will take them because I, that's been so much of the good stuff. Of, I mean, there's just been so much good stuff coming out of all you knowing about Matt's secret life. So. Mm. And you've still got the, the dramatic tension of someone not knowing about Matt with Karen. So you don't exactly. need it with both of them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Marcy has been copying files. Mm-hmm. I like Marcy. <laughs> I love Marcy. <laughs> so a lot of the reason they succeed in this is because of Marcy. Like she, because she's a, he- a hero. <laughs> I, yeah, she doesn't get to like join the group or anything. Like she did the bulk of the work here, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she might be joining Foggy later, by the sounds of it, in that last week. <laughs> but like she should be hired on as an, as a. <laughs> she's you know, probably out of a job now. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's, definitely, she's definitely out of a job. I think they mentioned that later. Yeah, Foggy yeah. said she's going to help her do job hunting. Just hire her. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even really afford to pay Karen. They probably should. Right. They, they should be famous people. now. They help bring down Fisk. True. But Marcy, I guess, is very expensive. You know, she likes her designer stuff. You gotta buy those shoes. Yeah, exactly. But she's out of a job, so beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um... So then we have, uh, oh, I like that Foggy tells Matt that they need to stop Fisk by using the law. It's like, yeah. Uh, then Foggy and Matt talk to uh, uh, Brett, and 
and um, Matt overhears the cops talking about Owsley and Hoffman. We get a few times in this series, but I mean, it happens a lot in the comics as well, where it's like, oh, I just happened to overhear this conversation that is exactly what I needed. (laughs) (laughs) It's very lucky. Um, And we get a cute reference to Serpico, which was one of the, um, you know, the influences for this series in the way it looks. How do they know Brett is clean? Like, they just keep saying he's clean, but how do they know this? Uh, like, know him from high school? It's, yeah, Foggy knows That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I don't know, actually, saying that. Yeah. Because I don't you know. You could tell his mom, like, if he's ever, well, like, like maybe Matt listens to his heartbeat. But they've never asked him outright, are you clean? <laughs> if, they've <laughs> asked that, if they've asked him that, and, he, and then you listen to his heartbeat and tell he's not lying, then sure, but I don't think I've heard, seen them ask him. No, they haven't. Because yeah. he's just so nice, Matt, come on. <laughs> he's Brett, he's lovely. Uh, he is, I, I don't he, know. He is, he is an a- arresting officer. He is so arresting. As the hey. sign says later. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that. What? I didn't do that. I didn't do that. That was you. Matt's been hanging around with Robin too long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So were you guys surprised at the whole thing with Hoffman? Had you kind of forgotten about him at this stage? Were you surprised that he was going to feature so much in taking down a Fisk? Um, uh, yeah, I'd I forgotten about him, I, I had probably <laughs> pretty much forgotten about him at that point, but so, yeah, I think I it speaks to the, the strong writing, really, in this show that they, like, all the little threads sort of come together at the end, mm. and it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nothing is done in vain. Agreed. No misplaced little plot thread anywhere. It all comes together. Apart from knowing how Brett is good, which <laughs> we're like, oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, there, there's, there are other plot holes, too. I'll, I, maybe we'll get to those. <laughs> we're not plot holes. But it's like how, yeah, things I wonder about. But, yeah. Yeah, I was always fairly sure that Fisk would be brought down by some little thread he left hanging that, you know, you just tug at and it just unravels his whole thing. Well, it's like with his mum, you know, that almost... Yeah, you know that was helps bring him down, thing, and he just I guess he wouldn't have even like him phoning up Wesley is what caused Wesley to get killed. So it's just all the little things, you know. That. Um, so in the next scene, Matt, Karen, and Foggy are in the office. Matt's using his uh, braille reader again. Karen quotes Ben, and everyone gets sad. And Foggy is a terrible liar, I put. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they find a discrepancy about this property, which is. Yeah, and it's Karen who finds it, and I think what's really nice is that, um, like uh, you mentioned earlier, Claire, that like they're going to take him down using the law, the Almighty Law. Uh, but I think I like that it, it's actually aside from everything that Matt does as <clears throat> the would-be Daredevil later on. Um, it really is kind of a group effort, like we mentioned Marcy, and, and now mm-hmm. everything that Karen's been doing and Foggy's been doing his thing with Marcy and. It's it's really it's not just like a one man thing, mm. and I think that that suits this character so much because he is not he's not Thor. <laughs> he yeah, needs Thor, uh, he needs uh, other people too, beyond this team too. I'm a little bit confused as to where this part came in the episode, but in my notes, there's a part where they're all looking at something like some sort of plans or something, and they figured out something about an address. Maybe that's mm-hmm. coming. Yeah, here. And, yeah, that's uh, in this bit. Okay, yeah. and. Uh, and Matt says, I'm going to go check it out. And, like, Karen doesn't bat an eye at the blind man going to observe an address? What? No, no, no. He, he says he's going to take it to Brett Mahoney. Yeah. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah. he said he was going to go check it at address. <laughs> I'll just, like, just like, okay. I'll feel this building with my hands and describe it to you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 
like oh, Karen going to an auction and drawing people <laughs> because that's not going to help at all. I go, okay, so there was this guy who bought something and he was kind of bald and old and they're like, yeah, but this is only like a, a quarter of his face and the rest of his back of his head. Well, I thought it could help. How, Karen? How? <laughs> and this, this is, this is cool because it's like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, this is cool because he's he's saying that he you know he doesn't want he knows Brett's not going to be able to handle this and mm-hmm. uh, so he's and and also is the the beginning of this interesting dynamic I'm looking forward to seeing in season two is Matt didn't ever have to justify uh, going out as Daredevil to anybody before mm-hmm. and now like Foggy's like you sure you want to do this blah blah, blah. Would, would this be uh, you know is this safe. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of that in season two. Yeah, definitely. And we we have like as well, obviously, developed state of the relationship between Daredevil and Brett, which is like the Batman and Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> I like to call it. You know, I I, I I don't know. It just reminds me of that. But I like that their their relationship that they have this good guy on the on the force that obviously Daredevil trusts and will hopefully or maybe he'll be the Ben Urich in season two. We don't know because Ben's dead. And Ben's dead, ben baby. Urich Ben's dead. Too. No, he's going to come back. Zombie zombie Ben Yurik. Yeah. Tahiti. Yeah, he's going to come back. <laughs> it's a magical place. <laughs> so, uh, so Ben leaves. Ben? Ben does, well, Ben has left. Uh, permanently. <laughs> Matt leaves. Building, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Fisk is in the car and he sends a team to go and kill Hoffman. And then we cut to an awesome location, which is this old creepy theatre with, like, graffiti everywhere. Yeah. Like, like honestly, like props to the people. No pun intended. To the people that found the sets to film in in this series because they're like some of these filming locations are so good. And I love, I love that this isn't like another warehouse, you know, because it could just be another warehouse they're keeping yeah. them in. And but it's not. It's actually this like creepy looking theater with, with all different levels, which means you can have the thing with like shooting people on different levels. I don't know. I really liked it. It looks like, I don't know, like it's. Uh, been long abandoned or something. Mm. I wouldn't even want to step foot in there. It's probably like cold. <laughs> it's full of tetanus. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it would have been great to actually shoot an action scene in that theater rather than have a close up <laughs> on Hoffman's face while all this <laughs> yeah. fighting's going on. I'm like, come on, it's the season finale. Let's do this. Maybe Chris uh, Brewster was knackered after the fight scene with Fisk at the end. And he's like, guys, guys, I'm so tired. Let me have a day off, and they were like, "Okay." <laughs> this is this is what I keep coming back to in this finale is that that's the that's the problem with having like the, your most memorable action scene in the second episode. Like they should have had something at yeah. least close to that epic in this in this episode. I mean, even mm-hmm. the fight with Fisk at the end is pretty quick. Uh, it's, it's, epic. Yeah, I don't like the fight with Fisk. But, uh, I don't like the fight with Fisk at all at the end. Oh, I, okay. I, I, like there's. Uh, yeah, I think he just moves differently, and there's just like especially mm-hmm. that that okay. Now we're skipping ahead, but especially that thing where he's like jumping up and then like with his fit, it just looks really dorky compared to everything else we've done. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's not he's not a graceful fighter. He's like a. He's but he was graceful up until that point. <laughs> I'm talking about Matt. I'm talking about how Matt's moving in in the suit, and I I just feel like this episode was probably. Um, my least favorite, even though, like, I, I mean, I love the whole show, so it's not, it's not like that's a bad thing compared to, like, everything else that was, has been stellar, but I feel like it's just, like, it was, it wrapped up a little too quickly, and there was just too much stuff that they needed to just, you know, put away to end the season. I, I thought I saw him still flipping around and stuff, but... 
It's yeah, probably did. a little flip at the end, and that was it's all probably, we saw. It's no, probably, he did one off the truck when he when he um uh went to when he caught up with Fisk. He did a flip off the truck, which was kind of like well, it was definitely a Chris Brewster flip. I, I honestly find too many flips is just exaggerated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, nobody nobody fights like that. Nobody fights like that. It's just showing off. I feel <laughs> he kept like doing all his spins. I was like, why are you doing it's this? A use, it's a useless movement. It's a useless. Uh, it's just too ac- acrobatic at that point. You're expending energy for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> like you're gonna get yeah. tired. Yeah, quicker. and he's already like half of those fights. He was already completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. He's still doing all his weird flips. But he yeah. he even mentioned when when somebody when Claire told him he, to get some armor, he's like, I don't want to be weighed down any. Mm-hmm. So maybe he is weighed down some in in, in yeah. uh, you know it's just a trade off for protection. That's right. Yeah. True, but it, it gets I well uh, we'll get back to that when we get to that scene because I would totally <laughs> skip ahead. <laughs> but it, it, it's just it just seemed to me um, it it seemed like it suddenly remembered that it was a superhero show in all mm-hmm. the wrong ways. Like I, I I can't even really put my finger on it, but it was like it went from. Because uh, what they were doing as like a superhero show, as a crime show, um, and then suddenly when he gets in the costume, it was sort of like you get pulled away into the, the the superhero fantasy more than they had to. And I can't really put my finger on what it is, but it it just I just there was just this shift that I sensed with my heightened senses. Back to the scene we were talking about, I mean. Man, they should have done that close-up on, like, somebody's face while someone, a bunch of people are getting their yeah, asses beat in episode yeah. two, and then had this knockdown drag-out fight in, in season finale. Uh, it just seemed yeah. really it's awkward to, to have It's to do there. with the writing as well, and I think um, with uh, Stephen Knight, obviously, is the showrunner, and, I, you know, he obviously wanted to do the finale, and he's done a previous um, episodes as well that he wrote, but yeah. I really think that with this, um, he maybe didn't have the full time to focus on it because he was so busy as, as being showrunner as well that it does feel a bit rushed and there is so much to tie up that there isn't enough time to kind of go, oh, okay, we need to do this um, awesome fight scene in the in, like in the theatre there in front of Hoffman because if they do that, they've then got to up the ante with the Fisk fight as well. Mm-hmm. So if they kept that fight quite quite low key, um, then when they do all the stuff later, like with the the fighting on the on the bridge, you know, which isn't even hand to hand fighting, but, but like the cops and Fisk's men and like the truck crashing and all of that. Um, obviously, is still a, a big thing. That's like the like a really big stunt for this show. Um, then. You know, they they need to have that at the ending to to sort of up the ante, so to speak. And I think if they'd had the fight with Fisk with too many other people there, it would have taken away from it because it should be all about Matt versus Fisk. It would have been easy to have, like, lots of goons around and stuff. Um, And unfortunately, um, Matt, uh, sorry, Fisk isn't an acrobatic you know, villain to fight. If he'd been fighting someone like Electra, then you can kind of, you know, you could do a lot of cool stuff with that, but Fisk isn't going to be jumping around buildings after after Matt. Um, so I, I, I don't mind the fight at the end, but I do think it um, it felt rushed. I think there's something cooler they could have done with it, um, and it was over quite quick. But I think as well, it with it being just between the two of them, if they'd let it go on too long, it would have set, felt very samey. Yeah, I didn't really mind that it was quick, uh, mm-hmm. It was it was more the the content I guess that I reacted to or like or even some of the some of the dialogue. Is, mm-hmm. is, yes, is, is I'm gonna kill stuff. you. Yeah, I mean it's just sort of uh, yeah, it's like they they both of these characters have had much better moments um, mm-hmm. 
earlier yeah. in the show. I didn't so. I didn't find it that quick. I thought it was about an average fight. Length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The what? length didn't bother me. Yeah. Matt, they need to get um, you and Kyle on uh, for next next season for fight fight choreography because yeah. Matt does Matt does um, fight fight scenes with his brother Christine and they're oh, cool. pretty awesome. Yeah, get your dad on as well, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the next, well, so this scene obviously they Matt basically threatens Hoffman and uh, to go and confess. So Hoffman arrives at the fifteenth precinct to confess. We get a little cameo in this scene. Did anyone yeah. see it? Yes. Well, I'm going to mention it during our Easter eggs. <laughs> it's very cool. Great Easter egg. It's such a cool Easter egg. Um, then Matt and Foggy are representing Hoffman, and he gives a statement about Fisk and the others, and Matt does a smile. And then we get the awesome Nessun Dorma. Oh, yeah. I love this. I love this what did you guys think? I always like a good slow-mo music montage. <laughs> <laughs> what we need is a montage. It's <laughs> like the words out on the kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, just Turk being chased by the police is, yes. is such a great, like, it's just so, I mean, he's just, oh, he doesn't really, he does it so well. And then I also like the part where um, Marcy is in her car, she's yeah. watching her, her boss be, like, taken away by police, and then she, yeah. then there's that little smile at the end where she's like, yay, I did the right thing. <laughs> the best part, the best part was at the paper. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. I like the bit with uh, with Turk because he's running away, and then that police car like pulls out in front of him, and then it cuts to him still running, but you see his face is like, oh shit, <laughs> so good. I and love I was it. Like, I was like, just slide over the hood, and then yeah. he's like, good job. <laughs> and then he gets tackled, anyways. <laughs> oh, I love it. And Senator and Cherry Senator. also gets carted off. Yeah. Uh, Cherry. Yeah, Cherry. <laughs> 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 Cherry. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vanessa's watching the news and Fisk tells her that he needs her to follow instructions and he proposes as the FBI arrives. And I wrote in my notes, she is so beautiful in this scene and she's not wearing any makeup. Yeah. Oh, she's so beautiful. I think I, I love these. I, I love her in the role and I, I love these two together as well. But yeah. they're evil. But I love them. I don't they care. Are. Yeah, I know. They're evil, but they're, they're evil in some kind of a complex. Um, they're compelling. Yeah, it's it's like you don't get them, and I, I mean, especially when I think Vanessa's art throughout this entire show has been quite interesting because mm-hmm. she starts out as a relative innocent. Like at first, she doesn't know what he's doing, but she figures that out pretty quickly, and then she's still sort of. Oh, the helicopter by guys. <laughs> Maybe it's Vanessa and Francis in the helicopter flying over my house. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's fine. But, I mean, she's, she's obviously willing to get on board the Fisk train. Yeah. Um, team Fisk. Yeah, but at the same time, she doesn't seem like the kind of woman who would be, you know, like the, the types who, like, write letters to people on death row mm-hmm. or, like, or convicted killers or whatever. Um, and... Uh, because there are those women who are like have that kind of savior complex thing, and she doesn't seem to be that type either. So it's it's she's uh, it's interesting. Like you don't really get them, but you do at the same time. You don't feel like she wants to save him because no. when you know when she found out that she was poisoned, she basically encourages his behavior and is like yeah. make them pay, make them suffer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love these two together. And he proposes. It's really sweet. It's like one of the sweetest proposals ever. He doesn't actually say it, but I'm like, oh, even though they're both. I'm sorry, Claire, but I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think that's, <laughs> that would be like the worst way of being getting proposed. No, but for them, it's oh, so great, sweet. Thanks. 
Stop them. It's like he shoves it into her hand as he's being dragged away. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, it's memorable, at least. <laughs> literally, a helicopter keeps flying back and forth over my house. I don't know if you guys can hear it. I don't know what my housemates are up to, something dodgy. Um... <laughs> So, oh, but oh, he says a sweet quote. Anyway, so Foggy, Karen and Matt watch the news and celebrate. Um, and they toast to Elena and Ben and everyone else that Fisk is hurt. Then we get the scene of Fisk in the truck and he quotes uh, the Good Samaritan story. Yes. Were you guys like... <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, this is awesome. This is Kingpin Begins. It's like Wilson's going to be put away for now. It, I've realized what I've been working my way to, and now it's time to, you know, mess shit up for uh, everybody for the next ten minutes. <laughs> Robin, I thought you were excited that Fisk was quoting the Good Samaritan story. I thought oh, you yeah. were out about the Bible. You were like, yeah! That is my favorite <laughs> story. <laughs> Like, when Claire before in the episode said that, you know, she didn't remember much about the Bible, the only thing she remembered was the martyrs, which I said didn't ring true to me. See, if you're going to remember anything from, like, the Bible, I always imagine it's going to be something like Noah's Ark or this story. That's such okay. a well-known, you know what I mean? That's such a well-known story. But rather than being like, oh, the martyrs, it's like, really? No, but I think maybe she wasn't specifically talking about the Bible. and I think she was talking about just generally what they talked about in Sunday school. Right. And she went to, like, a Catholic Sunday school, but maybe as a kid, uh, those stories about the martyrs maybe made a bigger impression on her. Mm. Possibly. I mean, I just know, I mean, speaking, because a lot of those martyr stories are kind of creepy, especially to a kid, like mm. um, like the one with, because uh, I mean, here in Sweden, we celebrate St. Lucia's Day every December 13th. And uh, and of course, every, I mean, for me, just when the first time I heard about, like, St. Lucia and her thing is that, you know, she, she uh, you know, um, she kind of sort of digs her eyes out and presents them on a plate. And, I mean, that's kind of... The kids, kid, you that's, know. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that sticks with you more than yeah. <laughs> something from... I don't know. But it, a lot of the stories are kind of bloody and haunting, and maybe that's mm. what... Yeah, that's true. Catholic imagery is really scary. I I still, like, going off... Well, still on topic, I guess. But my grandparents <laughs> had this statue of a, a Jesus holding a flaming, bleeding heart outside of his body. Oh, yeah. I had it in their um, bedroom. It it's got a name. I can't think what it's called, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. But they had yeah, it's, bedroom, and whenever I went over there for a sleepover, I would just stare at this Jesus statue in terror. <laughs> I was terrified. It's the, those, and it's the same thing with those martyrs. They're terrifying. Yeah, they are. Just all that medieval imagery that they show you, like, it's scary. Yeah. Well, like the ones of St. Sebastian as well, you see the yeah. statues it's, with, like, being impaled and bleeding. You're like, whoa. Yeah. It's t- it, being a Catholic is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Matt is the man without fear. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where are we up to? Oh, yeah. so Fisk is in the truck, quoting the Good Samaritans, and then everything goes a bit crazy, and they have a big shootout on the bridge. But before that, Matt, uh, Matt and Karen Foggy oh, at the same yeah. time are having their little party at the office where they do it's even so more cute. drinking because they it's drink cute. all the time oh. in the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, those little um, shots, you know, like cutting yeah. in are so cute. I love yeah. them. I don't know why, why these people are still working for Fist. Uh, like, you would have to assume all his money is going to be seized. <laughs> How are these people going to be paid? He must still have money because, uh, like, um, you know, he's still got influence, I guess. Yeah. 
Probably got, like, well, he's, he's been exposed. Isn't the government, government just going to take all his money? He's got some overseas funds. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. He knows how to handle his money. Maybe. Maybe they just believe in him. They believe in his message. <laughs> Maybe. And I, I love this anchor man who's, like, just super enthused. Like, people are, like, getting shot to death on camera. He's <laughs> like, look at what's going on on this bridge. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what a story. <laughs> and when uh, when Wilson steps out of that truck, I'm just like, hell yeah, the wind is yeah. oh, it's such a, a trench coat. badass shot. And yeah, the bit where the bit I love where he kind of becomes kingpin, I think, is when he's walking along the bridge. Yeah. And he's so big, and he's just walking. There's all these like shooting going on around him, and he just exudes power. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, I love it. Great. As opposed to later when he's running away like a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> that delighted me so much. <laughs> I like when we get when they see the story reports from the news and Matt asks Foggy to trust him and and Foggy does and I drew a little heart in my notes. Wow. <laughs> oh. um, so then uh, Fisk uh, transfers to a different truck. Um, and is has escaped, and uh, then we cut to Melvin Potter's workshop, and Matt picks up his oh, no, sorry, yeah, oh so many Easter eggs in this yeah All we'll Easter eggs. and uh, Melvin um, gives Matt his new costume. Were you guys like oh, we're gonna see the costume? Oh my god! <laughs> I Although you've see seen it in art, <laughs> I wanted to see it before this. I was. Yeah. I was uh, sad that he already appeared once in his black costume in this episode. I was went, I wanted this yes. entire episode to be the Daredevil costume. Well, that's the little goodbye to the old costume. I guess you knew well, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted I wanted that until I saw him suit up in this costume. Then I was like, you know what, the black costume is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it was so funny. I know a lot of people are like, "Hmm, the black costume isn't so bad." Like everybody hated it when yeah. it was announced, and then yeah. you learn, like you, you you kind of, I mean, you get it for what it is, and then you learn to like it, and then you sort of miss it when it's gone. Mm. So, but. The um the shot of him in the new costume on the roof, and then mm-hmm. the next shot where he hasn't got the helmet on as yet is a really cool shot. It's very yeah. yes. They're all listening to the police scanners. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't like. I I just hope that he's listening to something that's not like half that's nearby. Because yeah. that's, like, my, my huge pet peeve is that um, as I am a bit of a well daredevil quote unquote science nerd, uh, I get to point these things out. Like if it if it's uh, like a couple you know sort of blocks away or if it's over a scan or something, but if he's actually hearing Fisk in his van and it's like a, a considerable distance away that I call shenanigans on that whole thing. What um, what uh what university can I go to to study study daredevil science? <laughs> well, you I'm can uh, books, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> publishers can read. Um, yeah, Sweet. no, but I mean, that, like, um, it just um, let's just say that the physics of sound don't necessarily um, they allow a lot of things that happen in daredevil actually, but there are certain things that I always kind of tend to wish that they would use less of. Uh, something I wish they would use more of is actually his sense of smell, which is largely forgotten in the comic and in, in the show as well. Uh, always underused, always completely underused. Um, and then they tend to overuse certain things to like extreme degrees, but that's just my two cents. And different writers do different things. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I wish they would. I wish they would have a uh, instead of a daredevil costume. I wish they would have like a, a costume where they enhance like his senses. Like he would have a gigantic nose and gigantic. <laughs> 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 he actually, uh, yeah. 
You would look like a humunculus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there was actually, back in, like, really early Daredevil, there was actually an episode yeah. where he's shown to, like, when he removes his mask, there's, like, a, a radio uh, oh, receiver yeah. on the inside of his, like, the faceplate of his mask. It, it, that was only in there for one episode, cause, or one issue, because I think they, they realized it was ridiculous. Uh, but he also used to have, like, at the end of his billy club, used to be uh, something called a snoop scope. Right, he would just he would just hold it out and like pick stuff up from all over the city into a deep scope. But also that also only happened like in one issue. So there was a lot of stuff like that in, in early Daredevil where you and then they everything back in that Billy Club. Club. That Billy Club contained oh, everything yeah, at one yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, gas pellets, nutritional tablets, um, a big uh, sheet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He used to carry theatrical makeup around with him in case he needed yeah, yeah. to like make himself up to look like someone else. Which how would he know? But okay. Right. right. Yeah. Batman utility belt. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was silly. Acid to I, dissolve I, his clothing. You know everything. Yeah, I just hope. As, but as far as the costume goes, I just hope that he can like maybe figure out for himself which are the black parts, which are the red parts, as he offer different amounts of projector. Yeah. It's yeah. like. When Melvin was telling him that, I'm like, no, oh, he's just going to have to figure that out himself, isn't he? Unless he's going to give up his big secret, but yeah. maybe well, different in texture, too. We'll get more into the costume later, I guess, yeah. so we can see it properly, because um, yeah. it has its big scene yeah. later. Yeah. Um, but Fisk here as well changes into a different truck, which is now a furniture truck, and speaks to Vanessa, who's waiting at the helicopter with Francis. Um, and then we get a billy club through the window, and I'm cheering and jumping up and down because I'm excited. <laughs> um, he's and that truck just kind of stops and flips over on its own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's lucky it ended up that way. It could have just been like a minor annoyance to the guy. Could have been, he could have just startled and then kept driving. Oh, <laughs> that's my billy club. <laughs> <laughs> like his all the canes that he threw away. He's like, no, I lost my new cane. <laughs> Melvin, make me another one, please. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this gets out of the truck, looks up, and then we see Daredevil in the new costume. Yeah. I I like the new costume. Like, it has grown on me. At first I was like, oh, I don't like it. I, I, it's definitely grown on me now. I think one of the things that looks weird is around the eyes. It depends on how they're lit. Because yeah. sometimes they look really triangular, and it, it looks really odd. But sometimes it's lit, and it looks great. And I also like the fact that they say, that Melvin says that it's not finished. He says he hasn't treated the whole costume, so it's an unfinished costume. Yeah. But then it makes me think, I, you know, so obviously I imagine it's going to look different in season two, but I... Yellow. <laughs> no. <laughs> um but I wonder what it's gonna look like in season two. Oh, and I also I also like that it has like the um the like little holes by the ears or like little slats because that reminds me of the concept sketch that Chris Samley drew like ages ago. You know, so kinda, he already kinda looks like the current costume in the upcoming comics because it's got a good mix of black Mm -hmm. with the red so maybe they won't change it that much to have consistency with the comics yeah as long as it doesn't look like the current costume in the comics the pimp (laughs) outfit because I hate it I know yeah it's awful yeah we won't talk about the pimp the pimp outfit it's terrible I found that the placement of the horns was a little off-putting to me I'm not sure why maybe it's because the horns are so tiny yeah oh you want him to have bigger horns yeah it's just like little nubbins I loved it (laughs) 
He could probably kill a person if he headbutted them with those. Probably, but I mean, I don't know. They were just all nubby, and they were, like, at a weird spot on his, like, almost on his forehead. Hmm. If he had giant horns, though, Mel, he'd look like, like Tim Curry in Legend. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> they have to be little nubs, or he'll look too much like Batman. No, I know, I know, yeah. I know. I know, but it was just, I don't know, it was just weird. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's just the placement of them, I think, that weirded me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I it looks like really it. good from some angles and then strange from yeah. some uh, yeah. other. I mean, one one thing that's kind of a shame is, is then, like, now when you go, or now when you go to look at look for the show on Netflix, it's got that promotional mm-hmm. picture, like the Daredevil costume, like dead center from the, from you know, with him facing the camera. And I think that's probably the worst angle for yeah, that, that helmet headpiece thing, uh, helmet mask, or whatever you want to call it, because <laughs> it looks better if it's if it's slightly just from the side, I think. Yeah, I agree. Or like a three-quarter angle. I might get shattered off the podcast. I might get hate mail. <laughs> but the Apple costume looks so much better than this. I'm sorry. Oh. It just does. <laughs> I think I I like the fact I like the athlete costume because the athlete costume in some ways looks straight out of the comics, as in like with the double D and everything. Um, leather though, but it's leather, and every time I see that film, I think there is no way he could fight in that leather. There is no way he could be acrobatic in that leather. And when he takes it off at the end of the day, that is gonna stink. That's all I think is. I can't imagine him fighting in this hockey outfit. I don't know what's going on here with these different segments and things. I just want a nice solid red. And, and I, is, I like that it's not solid red, because I think this solid red is something that you can get away with in the comics, right. but it's very hard in, in live action, because in the comics, it's often shaded and has the shading in different bits of black. You don't, re- you very rarely see it fully red, and you often have right. like boots and gloves a different shade of red. The same um, reason you can't do Wolverine's comics costume. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's silly. Just, yeah, exactly. And the Spider-Man costume gets away with it because yeah. it's not just red; it's blue as well. And then you have the webbing on the red, so it doesn't. It's not just red. And I do think if you did, if you did like a, a comic accurate. Uh, Daredevil costume, as in that's not leather, that's like the spandex, it would just look like a guy running around in a red morph suit, and it would look awful. Yeah. And also, it doesn't offer any protection, you know, right. with the spandex, whereas at least this, I get that it offers protection, but unlike the movie version, it looks flexible enough that he can run around in it, because even though it's not super flexible, you can see where like some of those segments, where it isn't segments, would stretch, like maybe under the armpit and stuff to yeah. move. You know, I can kind of get what they're going with. Well, it's not perfect, but I think I don't think yeah. we're ever going to get a perfect, absolutely comic accurate costume because right. you're going to have to spend so much time lighting it, and it's just not worth it. I'm not looking for absolute comic uh, correct costume, but I'm definitely looking for something better than this. And Claire, I mean, you didn't, you didn't, you said you weren't much of a fan of it when you first saw it. So mm-hmm. Maybe in a few, couple months, you know, I, I'll be like, <laughs> all right, all right, it's yeah. all right. <laughs> it's the same thing, you know, I. I think it's, like, the best that we could have got for this Daredevil, you know. And you have to think, this isn't, um, you know, I think they could have done a better job with the movie, the movie costume for that universe it took place in, but that's one of the issues, I think, with the, the movie, is it didn't know what universe it took place in, because, um, you know, if you're going to have Daredevil wear that costume, then why not have Bullseye wear his costume? It doesn't make sense. Um, but I think for this universe in that where he is getting beaten up and getting injured and there are consequences to him going out and being beaten up you need something that has some armor so to speak on it and i'd still rather have him wearing this than the armored costume from the comics 
right. that I hate. <laughs> I, I don't know. So it definitely grew on me. It's not perfect, but I wasn't expecting it to be perfect because I don't think they can do the perfect costume from the comics because it's it's you, if you see how it's drawn in the comics, you just see how much how how much they shade it and how many how how they really have to think about that in order for it not to look silly. And also, it's in two dimensions in the comics, whereas if you're going to have it on screen, it's in three dimensions. I, I just, yeah. I don't think they would be able to do it. I think another reason that uh, Spider-Man's costume often translates better to, to live action is because it looks, because he's got like his entire head covered, and that mm-hmm. it's kind of a seamless hole with the body section of the, the costume. Whereas um, for the characters who have like a separate sort of headpiece or a helmet or a mask or something that, that needs to come off and, and be put on, that also needs to kind of make sense um, in live action. And they need to think about that more than they would like in the comics where just you can just draw it and it looks fine. Um, but um, but yeah, I think the like the helmet portion of it to me looks it looks a little heavy, mm. although I would rather I mean, seriously, it doesn't really bother me though from the perspective that they like throughout this entire season Matt has been hurt stabbed like had his ribs broken I mean they've been they've they've gone to really great lengths to point out how he's physically vulnerable so from that perspective it totally makes sense for him to to have something that that would genuinely seem to be able to protect him but Mm. yeah I think as well, if we'd had him show up in the first episode dressed in this costume, mm-hmm. it would be a bit more like, eh, what is this, yeah, you know? Yeah. But because we've had the whole series with yeah. this character and we've got to know Matt first rather than Daredevil, yeah. I think I that definitely yeah. helps. And it, it also makes sense, and I think this is really being respectful of the character and, and said character's limitations, is that it's not like it was in Daredevil number one. It was like, oh, I just made this from my yeah. boxing room. Uh, but where it's really like, okay, where would he get this? Yeah, he my fingertips can detect yeah. different colors. Yeah, exactly. Like, no. Just bull crap. Um, yeah, but I mean, it makes sense that he would be like, yeah, I mean, yeah, he could find that on the internet. You know, if he's, mm-hmm. especially if he's going to stay safe, we're just like, okay, let's just order anything that says it's black. <laughs> Uh, and then um, put that together himself, that and that makes sense. Uh, and then to have somebody else actually make the costume. So um, I think that's actually being respectful of the, of the character to an extent that that they weren't back in the '60s, where it was always sort of like, oh, Matt can uh, fill out the crossword puzzle better better than any sighted man ever, just because that was how the character was pitched, sort of. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is this makes sense for them to have, have this progression. Crossword puzzle? What? <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe an exaggeration. No, that actually, well, that never happened in the comic, but it, it wouldn't have been an exaggeration if it, if it had been. Yeah, it did all kinds of crazy stuff in the comic. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have the big fight, obviously, between Matt and Fisk. Um, Matt has got his billy clubs. Yay! And he puts them together to make a stick. Yeah! To make a stick, wink. <laughs> I feel like he's just fighting a giant man-child in this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> just like, yeah. Fisk is just like throwing a tantrum, like freaking out, and he's like running away like a little kid. Like, you took him. my toys! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fisk is kind of adorable. It's just, I just always think of him as a giant child. Really but Matt, but Matt yeah. should be... Well, I mean, he would have been so dead without this suit here because his yeah. head, his head would have been mush. Uh-huh. Yeah, it would have popped like a melon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, particularly when Fisk is like just beating him up with that crowbar, you're like, yikes, you know? Yeah. Um, so then uh, Francis and Vanessa have to leave on the helicopter. I actually said to Tommy Walker, who's the guy who plays Francis, I was like, well, you know, there's only one character in the show that uh, survives a beating from the Kingpin and Nobu and gets to uh, scarpel with uh, the Kingpin's <laughs> missus, and that's your character. And he was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You know, nice. gets away. I like to think that he, uh, Francis, is planning revenge, and season two's uh, The Return of Francis, you know, comes back. As a bullseye. As bullseye, yeah. <laughs> But maybe these two are going to Tahiti. You never know. But yeah, um, Mahoney turns up and arrests Fisk and asks what he should call Matt in his report. And then we go to the front page of the New York Bulletin. Daredevil. (laughs) Did you guys like the way that he got his name from that? Or did you think it felt kind of rushed? I feel a bit of both. You know, I like it. I like well, it better than the, the childhood bullies. Like, like yeah. the childhood yeah. bullies thing is, you know. But um, I agree. I, yeah, I like it. Uh, and I actually have this front page of the New York Bulletin uh, on my wall because they were selling it at uh, Comic Con, and I got and I got Gideon Emery to sign it, who played Anatoly. Oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, um, and we'll talk more about it in the Easter eggs as well. Yes, there's all the Easter eggs here. Um, so then, Karen, Matt, and Foggy discuss. Daredevil's new name. They put the little Nelson Murdoch sign up and they talk about avocados and I go, oh, so sweet. <laughs> this um, is where you can kind of, you know at that point that they're, they're going to be okay. It's like, going to be move, okay. They, they're moving forward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and they talk about Fisk. It will probably take a, at least a year to get a trial date, which is kind of like, oh, season two, you know, <laughs> setting up. Um, and Matt and Karen have that conversation about something on her mind. And you, mm-hmm. it looks like Karen makes up her mind about something before she yeah. takes Matt's hand, but we don't know why. And that that scene is like it's it's driving me crazy because I can't figure out what it is. Like, does she yeah. realize? Like, does she figure him out? But what is it? Like, is it is it the way he just, like, stretches his hand out? Is it, like, does she see something? Does something click? And it's like, what is it, Karen? I thought it was just her going... I thought it was just her basically going, okay, I'm going to move forward with these guys, and I'm going to keep Wesley a secret. Yeah. You know, and it was making her mind up about that, but I think it obviously is going to come up at some point. Yeah. You know, in the future. Season two. Um, And then we get something that I'm sure you guys were really happy about. We get Wilson Fisk in his white suit. Oh, that was so unflattering. That's not a a suit, though. (laughs) It's it's in his white suit, finally. It's a white white outfit. He's wearing pajamas. pajamas. (laughs) It's it's the precursor to the suit. Yeah, Yeah, he's going to make it, cut it into a more flattering cut, you know, and add a little um, ascot and everything. Yeah, he's going to get out and he's going to be like, I've grown used to this color. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that actually looks a lot like, I think there's a cover to, um, there was a story arc where Matt is in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, from a few years ago, well, two thousand. The Brubaker one, I think. Yeah, the Brubaker one, and I think, and since Wilson Fisk is in jail with him at the same time, I think that one of the covers, or there's like a scene or something from one mm-hmm. of those comics that looks a lot like he does in this um, particular um, scene. I love that we um, get him in the white suit finally, but it's not the white suit we yeah. were expecting. I think that's so clever. I love it. It just made me go, oh, showrunners, I love you. <laughs> a lot of unexpected yet, uh, you know, expected suits. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, and then we get the final shot of Matt on the roof, listening, and then he leaps off the roof and we end. And I have a note here which says that, because it kind of ends the same way that the movie does. Mm. I prefer the shot of Daredevil coming off the roof in the movie, because I think this one looks a little bit stiff. But yeah. in in the movie, obviously it's CGI, so that's why it doesn't look stiff. But in the movie, it's him with the um, the wire, you know, and he's like swinging around all over the place. So this one suits better because we haven't seen him swinging around using wires and yeah. stuff. So I I prefer the one from the film because it's it's a classic kind of Daredevil pose. This one's kind of just him going, ah, I'm going to hit something. But it will do for the show's limits, if that makes yeah. sense. You know what would have made this scene better would be Ben Yerk standing in the street saying, go get a mat. And uh, <laughs> yeah. everybody would be happy. Because and then it goes, I won't back down. <laughs> like they both like music at the end of the film. Oh, no. So, I've come to bring you down. <laughs> so were you guys uh, happy with the way it ended? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was very superhero, uh, stereotypical superhero ending. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what this show is supposed to be. That's right. <laughs> oh, Matt, you sound bitter. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm just, fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine I think it's a superhero show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I mean, it obviously is. It's just that I think that it's uh, it it's worked really well as also a crime show mm. and and a legal show to some extent too. Because um, I think Daredevil works really well on that. Capacity. I know you've. Um, I know Matt said that, and I. I kind of agree that I really want to see more legal stuff in season two because we only really got episode three. I want to see like Matt and Foggy in the courtroom more. Was it you that said that, Matt? I think it was. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, yeah, that would be really cool. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, it was. The, there was like five percent legal proceedings in the whole season. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Claire, there was a bit of news that you missed at the first, you know, when you were announcing news. Go on, go on, Mel. The fact that Ben Affleck and Jennifer Gardner are no longer together. Yes, (laughs) yes, Daredevil and Elektra are getting divorced. Oh. That was like one of the few good things to come out of that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I, yeah, because there's been rumors for ages, but they've kind of confirmed it, I guess, but, and apparently... A lot of the friends of the couple were saying that have been saying for years that they're like a really bad match. So I don't know. I don't tend to follow like the gossipy stuff. I don't don't know if you've ever seen Ben Affleck's uh, uh, acceptance speech for Argo. Um, no. A couple of years back, yeah, he was no. he's talking about how like m- like marriage is rough and you got to work at it, and oh. it goes to, it pans to Jen and she's sitting in the audience like I didn't oh, know I'm to say all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awkward. Yeah, that's yeah. not good. Mm. Why was he talking about marriage for Argo? I, I mean, if it was if it was for like Good Girl, I can understand it, but not for and Gone Girl. Gone Girl, not Good Girl. <laughs> yeah, that's a different <laughs> film. And then, the, and then at the end of his speech, he said, Jen, Argo, fuck yourself. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, okay, I've got another piece of news. I am oh, getting no. a divorce from Ben. <laughs> yes, Ben Affleck oh. and Jennifer Garner are getting divorced, and so are Matt Murphy and Mel- <laughs> Melanie Richard. The news no. of the, the dream team are splitting up. That's right. <laughs> Are you guys ready for yeah, Easter eggs? <laughs> yes. Okay. Are we doing quotes? Oh, yes. Quotes will be after Easter eggs. Oh, okay. So, first of all, I have an Easter egg, which I don't think is true, but I read it somewhere and was like, 
Eh, that seems like a stretch to me. So in the final scene where they're standing in front of Nelson and Murdoch, there's a scene, there's a, a shot that films them across the road. There are two bin bags yeah. in the foreground and there's red straps on them. And someone said that the red straps are in the shape of the double D of the Daredevil logo. Right. And I've looked at it and I'm like, eh, I think maybe that's a stretch. I think it's a stretch. Like, I see it, but I think it's accidental. I don't think yeah, it's me that. too. That's I'm like, that seems yeah. very, I don't know. So yeah. I thought I'd get that one out of the way. So did you guys see the Stan Lee cameo? Because obviously no. he appears in all the movies. Uh, Robin, where did he appear? Uh, well, I, I have to admit, I saw it on the second watch because I watched all all sorts of like videos about Daredevil. <laughs> like, yeah, you can watch everything. Um, but uh, yeah, he is uh, his picture is in the frame behind Brett Mar- Mahoney in the uh, the precinct in the fifteenth precinct. So oh, he's, yeah. he might be like the he might be like the commissioner or something like Stanley. But yeah, his picture is on the honorable retired cop or something. Yeah. But it, it's not there the entire season. It's just in the last. Yeah, it's just this, yeah. this episode. Yeah. He's he's, arrest, he's arresting officer of the month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stanley is well, arresting. He's doing good with that divorce. Villains, so. <laughs> <laughs> so next, um, in Melvin's workshop, we see Stiltman's legs on display Ooh. in the background. Oh no! Two really tall legs. Yeah, someone took, took his legs. legs. <laughs> it was Melvin, obviously. No, they're waiting for Turk. Yeah, Turk's yeah. going to come and pick them up, and we're going to get Stilt Turk in season two. Yes! That's what I want. That's what that's what Rob Morgan wants. Yeah. Hashtag Stilt Turk. Sturk man. Sturk man. <laughs> because know. that would just be amazing if we randomly got Stilt Turk. I mean, it wouldn't fit in at all with the show, but I would just love it. Uh, we also see the blueprints for Gladiator's buzzsaw um, things yep. that he makes are on the table before he puts the crate on the table containing so a, the costume. So is he a bad guy? Gladiator. Christine, I'm going to hand to you for this. Uh, if he's a bad guy in the comics, he mm-hmm. is a bad guy turned good guy. Who uh, he, I guess, he ends up. Oh, I mean, he starts out as a, a villain, uh, oh. but he's always picked. I mean, he's he's. he's um, He's delusional, like he's mentally ill, uh, and and he's never like genuinely super evil or anything. It's just that he, the reason he becomes a gladiator is that he kind of has this notion of like ancient Rome and gladiators, and he gets like his he gets his realities mixed up a bit, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he also runs his costume shop in the comics, so he does mm-hmm. have a costume shop. Uh, that's actually more into just like I guess making and renting like superhero costumes, uh, yeah. more so than in, <laughs> than in this show. Uh, but then over time, um, Daredevil and he kind of, uh, well, become friends. Kind of like they do in the show where, mm. um, this woman, Betsy, that, he, that he's talking about, she's a real character in the comics too, and she is actually his sort of social worker slash therapist. Um, so, which I guess is sort of kind of a breach of, like, you're not supposed to get involved with your clients if you're a therapist, but, but I guess they start out that way, and then they actually eventually, uh, get married in the comics. Um, and uh, and then he becomes a, a good guy, uh, more or less, until the Brubaker run, where he is manipulated by Mr. Fear uh, with fear gas, which drives him insane. And now he's basically um, I don't I don't remember if I've seen him since. Uh, maybe no, I someone, think that was the last yeah, time. I think that was the last time. So he actually he kind of ends up a villain, but he was tricked back into it and manipulated chemically. Um, uh, so that's uh, the <laughs> your guess. Uh, how how have they not been sued? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so. I, I don't know if we'll ever have Mr. Fear turn up in the show because he is very much like the Scarecrow, but he has had yeah, some awesome yeah. stories in the comics as well. Right. And there have been like three different Mr. Sphere, so mm. it's, it's not like uh, just one Mr. Fear. It's, uh, um, yeah. They, um, it's, a, it's, I guess it's, uh, what's it called? Um, um, like yeah, <laughs> it's a title like the title of James Bond. Right, it, it's a title that comes with a costume. Yeah, <laughs> and the fear gas, which you inherit the recipe for, or something. <laughs> so the um, copy of the New York Bulletin that Karen is reading at the end of the episode has a picture of Daredevil on the front. This is a um, a drawing by Daredevil artist Alex Maleev, who worked with Brian Michael Bendis on the run that um, was a big influence on the show. And um, they basically, that's one of the covers for that image, and they just basically put it on there. I think the only thing they probably changed is the double D on his chest, which yeah. I think he has in the original, because Daredevil yeah, usually has DD on his chest, but they've obviously not given him the name yet, so he hasn't got that on the costume. But I thought it was quite cool. So when, he, when you've seen that, like the second time I watched this episode, and him and Fisk go into that alley, you sort of notice that there are the stairs with like the slats and the lighting coming through, and it's, it's a really cool thing, because they obviously set it up in an alley so they could use that picture, yeah. which I think is a nice detail. Yeah, it's cool. Um, we get Kingpin's white suit, I put, yay! <laughs> and then the, um, the last one is kind of a, uh, oh, bless you, it's kind of a triple um, Easter egg. So when Fisk um, escapes from the first truck, he goes um, into a different truck, and then they pull into the garage, where there are two trucks sitting. Um, one is the uh, Somerville department store truck he gets into, but behind that is a truck that says on the side, Atrius Plastics. And that, Atrius Plastics, is a fictitious Marvel corporation. And in Daredevil issue number 184, um, that company helps create some high-grade um, plastic explosives. And that issue is part of a story arc that involves Daredevil versus Punisher. So this might be a little wink at, at the showrunners going season two. Then the Somerville um, department store truck that uh, Fisk escapes in um, is for a reference to Punisher issue number 49, in which the Punisher rescues the heiress of um, the Somerville department store who's been kidnapped. So it's another hint at the um, Punisher. And then also, one final one, is that the Somerville department store truck on it says, proudly serving America for 75 years, which is a reference to Marvel's 75 years of existence. That's what I wrote yeah. that. I was like, that's yeah. got to mean Marvel, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I thought that was quite cool. Like yeah. you get three in one there. Uh, so that's our Easter eggs, guys. Are you nice and full? Because you're not going to get any more for a while. <laughs> you're going to starve us? Yeah. Oh. Well, I hope you haven't stopped them all. Yeah, you'll get some more when we watch Jessica Jones. Don't worry. Oh, that's a long way. <laughs> I'll make so sure I send you some. So you were saying that there's actually no release date or anything for Jessica Jones? No, like not yet. Or, okay, no. no indication, yeah. I think it's going to be uh, November or December, I think, yeah. uh, by the sounds. Um, that They do them every six months or so, and then that would make yeah. sense. But then I don't know how the release of Daredevil Season 2 is going to affect Luke Cage. Right. Um, so we'll have to see. Because usually they film you know, for about six months, and then edit for six months, and then the show's released. Yeah. That sounds. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, now it's time for quotes. <laughs> Who 
do Christine, do you want to go first? You are our guest. Sure. I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one to put this down. Uh, it's the one from the funeral where the priest out or Father Lanta mask. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a, like a good Catholic boy. And he goes, that bad, huh? <laughs> that was my first that. quote as well. I yeah. love that quote. So good. Um, Matt, do you want to go next? I don't have one. <gasps> there was there was one that I heard that I'm like that's an obvious quote and everyone's gonna take it so I'm not gonna bother writing it. Oh <laughs> it no! And then I kept listening for more and I didn't. Nothing struck me. Do you want me to whisper one to you? Actually, sure. I haven't got any small ones. You could do the uh, you could do Foggy saying to Matt, "Go be a hero." There you go, Matt. You can have that one. <laughs> <laughs> you go, do, be a, you. go be a hero, my love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I have Matt. more quotes. Mel, mm. have you got <laughs> more quotes? I've got some. Go ahead. Oh, me? You go ahead, yeah. You took everything! Mel, <laughs> 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 well, you do a good Fisk voice. <laughs> <laughs> Robin? I, I, I'd like to follow that up with, take your shot. Yeah! Which is an awesome callback. <laughs> I have one between Brett and Foggy, which is, things are bad enough around here. Last thing I need is to be seen chumming it up with the enemy, especially ones bringing cigars for my mum. These are the good ones. So all the other times you were buying cheap. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I also like the one where he makes a reference to Serpico, and it's like, yeah, and then, yeah the honest ones end up getting shot in the face. That's a good one, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you want to do another one, Christine? Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. Um, but, yeah, um, the, well, I could do the, the nice quote from the Fisk and the Van. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? How even the best of men can be deceived by their true nature. It means that I'm not the Samaritan, that I'm not the priest or the Levite, that I am the ill intent to set up on the traveler on a road that he should not have been on. Yeah. That's, like, up there with, like, Walter White saying, I am the one that knocks, is him going, yeah. I am the ill intent. It's like, yeah. Uh, I have one from Foggy, which is Daredevil. Sounds like he's going to jump Snake River Canyon on his rocket cycle. <laughs> <laughs> which I would love to see, by the way. Yeah. And I've got another Foggy one, actually, which is, and Marcy, God bless her designer pumps. <laughs> 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 Any other quotes, guys? I you are like my heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You are my everything. <laughs> you are my everything. <laughs> yeah. Now, speaking of Foggy, I obviously wrote down, I don't know, I think the horns are a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that would be um, kind of the the internet's comments on it, you know, when everyone's moaning about the costume, it's just Foggy going, oh, I don't like this and I don't like that. But I like that he's kind of ribbing Matt there. Yeah. Matt's just laughing along. It's really sweet. I've got an, actually, I've just found a final foggy one, which is, you know what doesn't want to make, oh, hang on, you know what doesn't, you know what doesn't want to make you gouge your eyes out? Cold cuts, Italian meats, cheeses. <laughs> Why did I become a lawyer again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Now, oh, go on. Now, oh, go on. Now everyone knows what kind of an asshole he really is. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. What yeah. an asshole. Now it's time for feedback. Let's do an email first. Because we've only got one voice now. Someone wants to read Heidi's? Sure. Thanks, Mel. No problem, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) They were so nice to each other. So polite. Hey, guys. We've reached the season finale, and it starts by bringing the tears. Fisk has Leland figured out, but Leland didn't kill Wesley. Will Fisk ever figure out who did? Leland has some insurance in place for just this occasion. 
Yeah. You know things aren't going to end well when everyone is getting arrested halfway through the episode. <laughs> true. Yes, it is true. I like that Froggy is willing to patch things up with Matt, but he still doesn't agree with what Matt is doing and lets him know that. The opening at Ben's funeral and the montage of everyone getting arrested are great uses of scenes, with music but no speaking. I remember being really surprised that they actually arrested Fisk for the first time through. Don't celebrate yet, Nelson and Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> That was some fight with Matt and Fisk, or are they now Daredevil and Kingpin? I figured he wouldn't die, since he has to become that character. Oh, I was afraid for a sec, actually, that he had killed Fisk, but with that final punch in the head, and then he was going to be filled with regret over taking somebody's life. <laughs> filled with Catholic regret. Hmm. Yeah. That was a good ending scene with the three. I hope it comes back. What uh, what Karen had to do to Wesley, the avocados at law... Oh, wait, sorry. I read that as, like, one sentence. <laughs> I hope it comes back. What Karen had to do to Wesley. I hope it comes back. What Karen had to do to Wesley. The avocados at law are back. Yay. And Fisk is staring at the wall again. I can't, I can't wait for season two. Thanks a lot for a fun podcast and a place to send my thoughts. Until next time, series... Heidi. <laughs> Thanks, Heidi. That's, we forgot to mention that. Yeah, that was great. The, uh, the fact that he's got the rabbit in the snowstorm in his yeah. cell, essentially, yeah. on the wall. You can have that anywhere if you just stare at a wall. <laughs> a white wall. <laughs> I'm staring at my wall right now. Yeah, but it's a really great way of just showing sort of the circular, like it starts out in childhood, and then he sees it in this painting, and then it comes back at the end. It's just really... So good. Yeah. And his white suit, and he now is the kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> so, who wants to read the next one? It's quite short. I can read it. Okay. Um, okay. It's from, I haven't got the full name. This one is from V. Malika. Malika? You it. I have. <laughs> it starts Hello, Defenders. Hello, Defenders. Uh, just something. They're making fun of my accent, Robin. <laughs> what? That was clearly in New Zealand. All right. Uh, just. <laughs> Uh, just some quick and random thoughts on uh, number 13 slash the show. Uh, the funeral scene implies the anger I felt after the last episode. Not bash head in the door mad, but definitely flying <laughs> kick to the face mad. Yeah, me too. I'm so happy they didn't push the Karen Matt romance this season. Gag. Even more happy they didn't make it a love triangle. Double gag. <laughs> the foggy matte makeup scene almost made me forget about what the show did to Ben. Wait, no. <laughs> Nothing can make me forget about what they did to Ben. Yes, I This agree. is a good one for you to be okay. reading, Robin. I know. Ugh. Let's just feel the feels together, uh, fellow feedbacker. Um, as much as I like Potter, I'd rather they had Matt just appear in the suit rather than see him go get it. I'm not sure how I feel about the suit. I hope we don't have to watch Karen do the typical drug-alcohol addiction thing. I hope Claire comes back for some Night Devil action. Me too. (laughs) I'm definitely up for some Night Devil action. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, is he talking about... uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Greek girl makes an appearance. I hope Marcy cuts off Foggy's hair while he's sleeping. Can't wait for... (laughs) Can't wait for JJ in the fall. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, should we do a voicemail now? Sure, here we it's go. It's from, I don't actually know who it's from, voicemail, so I hope you tell us in the voicemail. Sweet Babu, <laughs> number 44 or something. Here yep. we go. 
This is my favorite episode of the season. I loved everything about it. I loved Anafio's speech in the back of the truck with the armored riot cops when he's talking about what he is in relation to New York and who he really is. And I love that him verbalizing what he is out loud is him coming to terms with becoming the villain and him not having a problem with it. And I love his just subtle change from Wilson Fisk to the Kingpin in terms of vocal tone. And I love that he has no problem with becoming the villain and he actually enjoys the idea of becoming the villain. I love the fight scene with him and Daredevil towards the end of the episode. I loved how if you really look at the way... Kingpin is beating Daredevil. It's very reminiscent of young Wilson Fisk beating his father with the hammer in the flashback episode. I thought that was a nice touch. I would like to have seen in the in the cell with Wilson Fisk. Maybe we'll see it in season two. A spider crawl across Wilson Fisk's shoe and him just jumping up in the air and going, God, I hate spiders. <laughs> that, that would be a nice little nod for me. And it would be so awesome to see this version of the Kingpin go up against Marvel and Sony's new Spider-Man. I just, I just love the idea that we could possibly see the Kingpin and Spider-Man go, go toe-to-toe together. I would love that. Now I realize that you guys do, do, do not like the idea of the Avengers or S.H.I.E.L.D. being too heavily involved with the Defenders, and I completely understand why you feel that way, but I have to, I have to feel just because of the way the character's been portrayed, not that he knows exactly what's going on in great detail with what's happening in New York City, but I have to feel that Nick Fury has at least one or two agents in New York City giving him giving him reports of what's going on with Union Allied, what's been the fallout of the Tatarian Loki, and not that he knows the name Matt Murdock or Daredevil per se, but what do you guys think of the possibility of Jessica Jones, particularly Jessica Jones, and possibly Luke Cage having a torrid history and mostly negative history with Luke Cage and S.H.I.E.L.D., and would you like to see this, like, brought up in, say, the Defenders miniseries, or even in Infinity Wars Part 1. I would love to hear you guys' th- guys' thoughts on that. And since this is the last episode of the season, and uh, we're probably not going to speak again until Jessica Jones in the winter, and uh, he just Skyped me, and I'm going to bring him in. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Saturday Night Live and Weekend Update City Correspondent, Stefan. Man, you're looking fine. How do you do that? Genetics, Stefan, genetics. No, you're here with the hottest clubs in Hell's Kitchen for the summer. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Hannibal? Okay, let's hear him. All right, if you're going to Hell's Kitchen this summer, Hell's Kitchen's hottest club is called Black Widow Dumped Me and I Don't Know What to Do With the Rest of My Life. And this place has everything. Chocolate-covered strawberries, frozen bananas, 
Those moist towelettes they give you at barbecue places? And Thor saying God of Thunder by Kiss at the karaoke bar. Oh, nice. But don't go into the back room. In the back room, the champagne room, you'll find Daredevil and and Bruce Banner discussing who Black Widow loves more. She loves me more. She loves me. I'm blind. That's really sexy. <laughs> I'm a man with horrible, horrible anger issues. You wouldn't like me when I'm mad. Dude, I can't tell the difference when you're mad or not because I'm blind. I thought it was a world on fire. The only thing on fire here is my abs. <laughs> and then you see Daredevil throw a squirrel at the Hulk, and Hulk just goes, Oh, squirrel! <laughs> now, Stefan, yes, there has to be one other place in Hell's Kitchen that's going to be fun this summer. Well, there is one place that you should check out in Hell's Kitchen this summer, and that is called Embryos. Embryos? No, Embryos. <laughs> And this place has everything. Neapolitan ice cream sandwiches, those shoes that nurses wear, slap bracelets from the 90s, Claire Devil's food cake, and Agent May and Black Widow throwing down to see who's the baddest bitch in S.H.I.E.L.D. We see you during the Defenders podcast when we covered, when the Defenders podcast covers Jessica Jones. Oh, absolutely. Why does that girl Jessica Jones look like, like that girl Gia from Veronica Mars? Step on, everyone. <laughs> In all seriousness, guys, it's been a great season. I've loved listening to this podcast. Claire, I'm glad to hear your dad's doing better. Hope he yeah. does even better as the weeks progress. I'll see you guys when you guys cover Jessica Jones or Age of Ultron because I really want you guys to review Age of Ultron. Bye, guys. Thanks, Woo. <laughs> I felt like I slipped into a fever dream in the middle of listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> However, I think one of my new favourite things is, is Matt saying, the only thing on fire is my abs, which is amazing. But thank you, Wu. Um, he did ask if uh, we wanted to see some sort of, like, uh, history or something with Luke and, Je- and Jessica with S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, he said that we, we we don't want them connected to the Avengers. I, me personally, I I think if uh, if Jeff Loeb is going to say that everything's connected, I don't want to hear like Joss Whedon saying to me Coulson's still dead. You know, it, it should all be connected. I wish Coulson was still dead. I do uh, wish Coulson was still dead. All right. <laughs> I, I I hate Coulson still being alive. It's one of my least favorite things. I yeah. I would I it would make more sense. Obviously, Jessica Jones has got a background with the Avengers in the comics, which they can't really do in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I think it would make more sense for her to have a background with Shield in this version of her story. But we won't get into it too much because we will cover Jessica Jones later in the year. Mm-hmm. Winky wink wink. Uh, but thanks, Wu. Time for another email. We're running late. Uh-huh. And Wu, why are you sending us uh, emails with fake names? I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have feedback from Elizabeth. Someone want to read this? It's really long. <laughs> Do you want me to read it? Uh, you read it? I mean, I can read it. I can read it. No, that's fine. There's another one after this as well. This is from Elizabeth. Hey, hi guys. Welcome to the last episode. While this is good in that we don't have to worry about spoilers in our comments, it's, it is bad in that you're now stuck with the rest of us waiting for next season. 
yeah, because we like having it over you guys. You knew me just going. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad that they resolved Matt and Foggy's relationship by the end of the episode. I hate cliffhangers, so wouldn't want to wait indefinitely for them to get back together. It started out awkwardly at first, at the gym, but gradually they got back into the swing of things, although they have to work on their cover stories. The jumping Snake Rock Canyon and Best Damn Avocados lines cracked me up. Great to see the Nelson and Murdoch sign officially up to. I was really glad that they resolved the potential love triangle between Foggy, Karen and Matt, or at least allowed it to drop. That was an annoying trope in the comic books, so I'm glad they only hinted at it, but then had Foggy turn to Marcy instead. I agree. Marcy really grew on me through the season. Although she started as a stereotype, she did an amazing turnaround, so that I was glad to see her smile as the boss was dragged off by the police, and that Foggy was going to help her look for a new job. Speaking of Marcy, how the heck did she copy and smuggle boxes of paperwork out past the guards? A scene of her being distracting would have been hilarious. Looking back at the season, I'm glad they left Karen and Matt as friends. A romantic relationship between them wouldn't have fit in with all the rest going on. It also would have been awkward after Claire's reasonable decision to call her relationship with Matt off. If he wasn't a good fit for someone who knows all about him, how much worse would it be with someone who only knows half of his life? I liked that Matt knew something was still wrong with Karen, even if she skirted the topic. I'm still curious about Karen's past and how they're going to handle fallout from her shooting of Wesley. Will Matt insist she turns herself in when he finds out? I suspect so. Something to look forward to for next season. As for the costume, although it veers from the usual one and seems a bit stiff, I can live with it. I found online comments complaining about the lack of the DD on the chest funny, since he didn't give himself the name. I want you to make me a symbol and put two Ds on it for no apparent reason. <laughs> or, or, two Ds mean hope on my planet. Hmm. That joke went in a direction I didn't intend. <laughs> Superman, yes. Victoria's Secret, no. Too silly not to leave in, though. <laughs> the buckles looked a bit like Ds, which I thought was sufficient. I like that they used comic book cover art for the artist rendering in the newspapers. A wink to us long-term fans, like the scene earlier in the series where Matt was at his desk with his head cocked, listening to the conversation on the other side of the office. I look forward to seeing what you guys do next while we wait for Jessica Jones. Will I have to track down issues of Alias? I've never read it. I did read The Pulse, though, so I'm somewhat familiar with her storyline. I have to admit that they started with my favourite character, so the rest of the Defender shows will be gravy for me until we get to DD Season 2. Have a great week, Elizabeth. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks, Elizabeth. <clears throat> yeah. Jessica Jones next. So excited. <clears throat> so next, I have a message from me, apparently. Well, it says <laughs> me, <laughs> but it's not me. Uh, it's from Jenna, um, where she messaged us, via DVM, but also sent a direct message to um, our Facebook group. Um, and I'll read this one because it's quite quick, which says, Hey guys, let's just start things off by saying, on the spectrum of all that is Marvel knowledge, I stand beside Mel, clueless yet intrigued. <laughs> That's you, Mel. This pod Mel's clueless yet intrigued. <laughs> this podcast has me hooked to the Netflix series, and I've been watching episode by episode with you guys. However, I'm slightly behind because of work and other mortal holds. But I was hoping one of you could recommend a podcast to clue me up on all that is the Marvel Universe. The Marvel for Dummies of podcasts, for want of a better name, of course, that I could download here in the UK. Unfortunately, I'm nowhere near London. I'm in Wales, to be precise. But had that not been the case, I'm sure you would chew to me yourself, Claire. I absolutely would. You would be my young Padawan, Jenna. <laughs> I am seriously open for schooling people. Seriously, mould my humble brain. Thanks, Jenna. Uh, I had to think about this, and I couldn't think of any podcasts that are kind of Marvel 101, unless you guys have any you can recommend. No. 
I mean, for Daredevil itself, it's Dave's Daredevil podcast. Yeah, Dave's Daredevil so podcast covers a lot of key issues, so that would be good. Yeah. But for and it's a great introduction to him. Yeah, it's really good. The only other one I could think of was if if you were interested in the X Men, the um, Rachel oh, yes. Miles. Uh, what's it called, Robin? Explain the X Men. Rachel Miles explain the X Men. It's hilarious, and it goes into all yeah. the crazy stuff to do with the X Men. Um, I couldn't think of any ones for Marvel in general, though, but I would recommend a hardcover book that came out, which I think you can get the older versions of it for pretty cheap on Amazon, and it's the Marvel Chronicle, a year-by-year history, and it's a big hardback by Dawn and Kindersley, and it goes through, like, each year and basically the outlines of what happened. So that's a really good way of getting up to date, and you might even be able to find, like, a year-by-year guide online, like on a website or something. Um, So I'd recommend those. Have I've you got any others to No, I was just going to say that uh, for Marvel in general, because I, I get kind of over, overwhelmed just thinking about the entire Marvel universe, too, a lot <laughs> of times. Like, I I mean, I try to stay kind of up to date. Like, I, I've read a lot of the, like, some of the events anyway, uh, and, and even some of the, the tie-ins to those. But um, uh, I would say, though, for just Daredevil as a character, I think one of, one of his uh, best qualities, aside from the character himself, is that the book has always been very easy to follow. So mm-hmm. that one, is a, as a particular character, is very easy to get into because there's always been just one comic. Um, and, um, and there are some, like, some arcs you can just sort of jump into. But for the rest of Marvel, I mean, it just, it is big and complicated. <laughs> and I know mm-hmm. just, like, this Spider-Man had, like, what, three or four comic like books? Was a month? Time? Yeah. yeah. It's insane. So, Clones, I guess, I Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's easier to just maybe, like, check with people you know who are into a particular character and, like, just ask what would be that, like, that defining run of mm-hmm. any era for that. Because they tend to be good jumping on points. Um, yeah, if I, if I think of any more, or if anyone's got any recommendations, yeah. feel free to put them on our Facebook group, um, because that would be quite cool as well for other people yes, that might yes. not, there's no as much about Marvel as others to sort of have a read of as well. That would be cool. I'd love, I'd love it too. I, I'm always checking them out. I'm, I'm, check, I'm, I'm listening to a Marvel 75 Greatest Stories um, based on the Marvel 75 Greatest list that was uh, mm-hmm. voted on. Um, it's hosted by uh, W. Blaine Dower, and um, it, it's, it has done mo- a, a lot of the uh, great stories and explains a lot of the stuff that went on behind it. So cool. it was fun listening to their Clone Saga episode. Oh, the Clone Saga. <laughs> right. That's well, so, yeah. Thank you for the feedback, everyone, and for sending your thoughts every week. We really appreciate it. It's great. Um, but now we, it's time to score the episode. Uh, Christine, do you want to go first? Oh, wow. Um, well, I wouldn't rate any episode of this season lower than a seven and a half out of ten, so I'm mm-hmm. going to give this seven and a half. Because <laughs> this was probably my, like, I, I, I liked this episode, but I liked all the other ones better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is one way of putting it. I didn't dislike this one. Cool. Robin, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, yeah, I uh, like the finale, but it could have been a lot better. I mean, I think I've commented on all the things I had problems with, but I mean, I feel bad it, it ends on such a down note, but I did give a four on the last episode, so <laughs> I'm definitely not going to be that mean uh, for this one, because, you know, there were s- several fist-pumping moments as well, so uh, I'm going to give and it... And fist-pumping uh, moments. Fist-pumping moments. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give it a eight out of ten... Uh, awesome shows. <laughs> Yay! Um, 
Matt and Mel have been sucked into the internet by Skynet, apparently, or <laughs> the Kingpin has got to them because they've vanished. But they've sent us their scores. Matt is giving it a 9.5 out of 10 evil white outfits. And Mel gives it a 9 out of 10 avocados at law. So they both really like the episode. <laughs> and I, I really liked it. It grew on me the second time I watched it, but I do think there are um, quite a few things left dangling um and i do feel a lot of it was because it was maybe rushed to be written um but there's a lot of stuff i like the costume definitely grew on me um so i'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10 matt murdoch new rivety costumes because it's kind of covered in rivets or something i don't know (laughs) And well, now it's quickly... boring for just giving it, just scoring it in regular points. I need to find, I need to come up with something other than points. <laughs> <laughs> we always leave it as a choice whether you want to yeah. score it in stuff or not. And like, I just think of stuff and go, uh, bleh. <laughs> so well, let me quickly give the, uh, uh, the averages here. Uh, well, we got an 8.3 for this episode. Nice. But, um, for the series overall, um, it's got, rounding it up, it's going to be an 8.2. Um, oh, that's cool. uh, Mel had a 7.6 for the entire series. Matt had an 8.3. I had an 8.7, and you had an 8.1 for the yeah. entire series. Yeah. Nice. And best episode was Cut Man. Still my favorite. Still my favorite yeah. episode. Yeah. I, I had a few times. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So now it is time for you to pimp yourself again, Christine, if you want to pimp anything else that you have oh, available at the moment on the internet. And thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't, like, I don't, I don't have that much going on right now that's like visible, especially since I'm like, I'm trying to write this book <laughs> uh, at the same time. So I'm, I'm not going to blog very much this coming month, but, um, if people want to find me, I guess I'm at the www.theothermurdochpapers.com, uh, is the website. And then I'm on Twitter as Chris underscore T-O-M-P, uh, and then, uh, I, they, uh, the Murdoch Papers also has a Facebook page, so you can just search for the other Murdoch Papers on Facebook, and it should come up, and I think, um, that's pretty much it. I also started a Tumblr account, because that's, I guess, what all the cool kids are doing, but it, it is kind of, I know, I know, but it is kind of a, it, I, I experienced some, a, like, a bit of a culture clash, because everyone's like 15 years younger than I am, uh, and it, and it's all like, it's, it's all weird, and, and, uh, and there, it's full of trigger warnings, which is something that yeah. someone came up with like a year ago, and I'm like, I, I wanna, like, I'm allergic to trigger warnings, Tumblr's full of them, um, so, so it's kind of, but, but I am uh, on there too, uh, you can search for the other murder papers on there too, uh, and I think that's, that's everywhere that I am, um, and I am so yeah cool and you're going to come back for Jessica Jones right oh I'd love to yeah yeah and obviously Daredevil season two of course of course (laughs) Uh, thank you so so much for having me with no problem no thank you for coming on it's been I've been waiting you know all season but it's like yeah the last episode cool um you know it's been a long wait but uh it's been worth it yeah so Um, I guess to do a show where you like sum everything up because it feels like you need to do a or that uh, extra credit kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so now it is time to um, say how you can contact the podcast. 
So you can still contact us, even though we're not covering any more episodes of Daredevil um, until season two. We'll probably do some extra content between now and when Jessica Jones um, starts. So you can follow us at Twitter at um, DefendersPod at Twitter.com. And when I say us, I mean me, because it's just me. Uh, You can find, you can email us at uh, DefendersPod at gmail.com. And this is when we would say what's happening next week, but we haven't got an episode to cover of Daredevil next week. <laughs> um, but the Facebook group and, definitely, know. there will definitely be stuff on the Facebook group, particularly as um, we will be running around Hell's Kitchen in two weeks and probably there will be lots of photos of stuff of us being silly. Um, but we would love to hear everyone's predictions for Daredevil Season 2 and for the other shows, so Jessica Jones and everything. So what do you guys think is going to happen? Please let us know at the Facebook group or via email or anything like that, and hopefully we can read some of them. And now it's time to take it out. And Christine, it's up to you to give us an Excelsior. I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> you can give us, give us the, the, the best, the closing Excelsior to close the podcast. Oh, <laughs> gosh, a closing Excelsior. Um, uh, now I'm just going to go with Excelsior. <laughs> Yay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can comment and send feedback to us by emailing defenderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash defenderspodcast or on Twitter at defenderspod. Defenders Podcast is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it, you can send it to your friends, you just can't make any money off of it. You can't change it, and you have to link back to us and our site. Excelsior!